We are in the eighth week of this great teaching series on Fruit of the Spirit, and it has been a remarkable series for many, including me, challenging, encouraging, allowing me to take a deeper step in my walk of faith to be sure. Let's remember that the fruit of the Spirit are things, they're character traits that emerge in us when the Holy Spirit comes in and grabs hold of our heart, takes hold of our mind, and guides our life in a remarkable way. Galatians 5, and 23, as what's been guiding us, has been the foundation for our teaching from day one. Galatians 5, and 23 says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We've also been talking about the reality that there are two bowls of fruit, one good bowl of fruit. And another bowl of fruit that is not so good. Two bowls of fruit. We are called to live with the good bowl of fruit. To dive in deeply into the spirit of God. But the truth of the matter is, is that our lives are tempted to engage the bad bowl of fruit. The self-indulgent bowl of fruit. Just prior to the passage we just read, the Apostle Paul says this. He outlines some of the things that are in that rotten bowl of fruit. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. I like that little statement at the end, other sins like these, don't you? I'm going to cover all the bases here because we know there's a lot of things we could add to this to be sure. So, so here it is. You've got all this list and then there's some other things. And I don't know about you, but when it comes to my life, I know the other things like these. I know what they are. And I know what they are because I have this little voice that rises up in me that says, come on, Pear, you know better than that. Would you turn to somebody and say, we know better than that. Yeah, that's, that's just that little voice inside that rises up and says, we know better than that. And, and we do. We do. Two bowls of fruit. One that's good. One that's not so good. One that's life-giving. One that's life-denying. One that's godly, one that comes from temptation and and from our flesh, from our worldly desires. The reason I want to put these two bowls in front of you today is because the fruit of the Spirit that I'm going to be talking about today actually applies to both. I'm going to be talking about faithfulness, and it really does apply to both, to the godly bowl and the ungodly bowl. Let me, let me just explain a little bit what I mean. There's an author by the name of Eugene Peterson, brilliant scholar. He actually wrote the message translation of the Bible, who wrote a book a number of years ago about discipleship. And that book on discipleship was entitled A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And what a great definition for faithfulness. A long obedience in the same direction direction, a long obedience in the same direction. Great definition of faithfulness. But there's a problem here. 
And the problem is this. The long obedience could be in the wrong direction. And if we're going to be really honest with our lives, there are, there are times when we have been long obedient to things that are not of God. We've been long obedient to dissension and jealousy, envy. We've been long obedient to anger that's not constructive, to discontent, to our lusts. We've been long obedient to denying the voice of God, to drinking way too much, to clicking into those websites we shouldn't be on. There are many, many things where we have been long obedient. And frankly, we know better than that. We really do. But that's not the kind of long obedience we're being called to. The kind of long obedience we're being called to is a godly long obedience. The fruit of the Spirit is about the Holy Spirit capturing our heart and and guiding us and, and directing our lives. We're called to be long obedient to the things of God, to the ministry of his word, to the grace that he shows, to the truth that he gives. That's where our long obedience is called. And we're called that direction because we believe in a God who is faithful. And so our faithfulness emerges from a God who is faithful. Let me just read you a couple of passages. Psalm 36, verse 5, says this. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens your faithfulness to the skies. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, did you hear something? In both of those passages, you have a reference to love and a reference to faithfulness. Reference to love and a reference to faithfulness. More about that in in just a moment. But let me say this. We believe in a God who is faithful. That's that's the very center of our belief. It's at the very essence of who we understand our God to be. It is what drives this conversation on faithfulness in our own lives, in our personal world, in our daily activity. And let me just give you a a couple of illustrations of this, a couple of ways for you to sink your teeth into this idea of faithfulness just a little bit more. One of them is very practical. The other is a little more theological and and intellectual. Let me give you the practical one first. Here at Hosanna, one of the phrases that we use is, we believe the Lord led you here. And, And we do. From the very depth of our heart, we believe the Lord led you here. But there's something behind that statement. And what's behind that statement is this. That we believe in a faithful God. So that your being here today is an extension of God's faithfulness in your life. You are living God's faithfulness here and now today. You are living God's faithfulness in this place. In your position in life. And with your purpose in life. If God's faithfulness isn't behind that statement that 
we believe the Lord led you here. Frankly, it's, it's a moot point. But we believe in a faithful God. And we believe that that God has faithfully brought you here and placed you in a position in this world and has a grand purpose for your everyday existence. If you believe that, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. That's what we believe. Secondly, a little more theologically, intellectually. By the way, don't get freaked out by the term theology. The term theology just simply means how we think about, how we understand God. And, and every one of you has a theology, by the way. Faith itself is rooted and found in a part of this grand creation in which we live. Now, how can we say that? We say that because we believe that God is faithful. And we believe that this faithful God gave birth to creation itself. We believe that this characteristic of who God is, this faithful God, got poured out into creation. And so in the very fabric of creation, the very essence of the created order is an understanding of faith. Is a fundamental assertion of faith. From the stars in the skies to the blades of grass below, faith is a part of this created order. Faith is a part of this created order. I was privileged to have a conversation with an atheist about uh, three weeks ago, flying on a plane from Minneapolis to Orlando. And, and I say privilege because I really do believe it is a privilege. I really do. I believe that engaging in conversations with, with people who don't believe the same as me is, is an honor. I believe it presents me with an opportunity to, to live out what it means to be Christ in those circumstances, in those situations. I also believe that it's an opportunity for you. And I believe it's more of an opportunity and more of a privilege when, when we're challenged deeply in our faith. A lot of people want to get defensive, but, but let's, let's rethink this. Let's reapproach it and, and see these conversations as a point of privilege. So let me tell you the story. Mary and I get on the plane. Mary's the window seat. I'm in the middle seat. We sit down next to a gentleman who, who very honestly looked just a little disheveled. He really did. And we start engaging in some conversation with them, recognize that he's got a charging cord that doesn't work, so I've got an extra one in my bag. I pull it out, I give it to him, I say, just take it with you, it's yours. We ask him what he does for, for life and for work, and, and he starts sharing with us. And he says things like, well, <clears throat> honestly, I, I travel the United States in an old beat-up bus that we remodeled. Oh, Okay. And I go from underground hippie gathering to underground hippie gathering. Okay? And I make glass pot pipes for a living and I sell them. (laughs) Okay? And 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 I'm hoping that I can get enough money together and buy a piece of land down in Arizona so that we can have these underground hippie gatherings whenever we want to have them. Oh, okay. 
So we, we let the conversation sit for a little bit, and both of us took naps like I like to do on planes, read a little bit, and you take a nap. And, and about two-thirds of the way through the flight, and we kind of all woke up, and, and um, I looked over at him and started engaging him in conversation again. And in the midst of the conversation, I, I said, so um, why are you flying to Orlando? Where are you heading? He said, well, I'm, I'm ultimately heading home to take care of my mom. She's not been ill, or she's been ill. Okay, does she have anybody else to take care of her? Well, yeah, yeah, she does. She's got some family there, and she's got her church. And then he launched into it. Why he would never be connected to a church. Why he became an ardent atheist. On and on and on and on. And then he pauses, and he says to me, what do you do for a living? (laughs) I'm pastor (laughs) literally he goes I knew it (laughs) what do I have neon sign pastor on my head was I reciting the Lord's prayer in my sleep or what how'd you know that so I looked at him and and, um, I said sounds like faith was once a part of your life what happened? And he said, well, honestly, I, I was connected to a church. I was sitting in a coffee shop one day. And up on the screen of my computer came a picture from the Hubble telescope that explored the greatest expanses of the universe. And at that moment, I said to myself, How could there be a God that could create such enormity, such vastness, and still be concerned about me? And then and there, I set God aside, and I let go of faith. He said, thanks thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate it, and I do appreciate it. And I looked at him and said, what's... What's interesting about that, about your comment, was back when I was in college majoring in mathematics and physics, those same pictures of the grandeur of the galaxies, of the enormity of the universe, drew me closer to God because I understood its fine-tuning. I understood through my classes, what it meant to to have life and the possibility of life. And I said, then what's more than that, I came across this principle in one of my physics classes that, that reshaped how I think about faith itself. And the principle is called Heisenberg's uncertainty principle. I asked him, do you know what that is? And he said, I, I know what it is. Heisenberg's uncertainty principle is simply this, that when it comes to atomic particles, you, you can't tell both the position and the momentum of the particle at the same time. So there's always uncertainty. There's always an unknown. And I said, because of that principle, I, I came to understand the fact that in this world in which we live, in the very fabric of creation, there are unknowns. And if there are unknowns, faith exists. So I said, the the question is, what do you have faith in? 
What do you believe in? For us today, we got two bowls of fruit. Where are you directing your faithfulness? Where are you pointing your life? You might want to know that Heisenberg, Werner Heisenberg, 1932 Nobel Peace Prize winner in the area of physics for his research on quantum mechanics, one of the early founders of the whole notion of quantum mechanics, made a great statement, a powerful statement about the intersection between the natural sciences and God. Here's what Heisenberg said. He says this, The first gulp from the glass of natural sciences will turn you into an atheist, but at the bottom of the glass, God is waiting for you. So if you're here today, and you're one of those people like me, who's actively involved in science, loves science, here's my encouragement, just keep drinking. (laughs) Just keep drinking. So our conversation concluded with a, a grateful word of thanks. He looked at me and he said, well, that went in a direction I wasn't expecting. Thanked him, found out about his art, his craft, and where we could find them on Instagram. <laughs> Went out, checked him out. No purchases, just to be clear, no purchases. <laughs> Faith, the very fabric of this created order. The question is not, do you believe, but what do you believe in? In what direction is your faithfulness. Let me shape this a little differently for you. Let me shape it through the lens of relationships and the whole notion of love and its intersection with faithfulness. If you remember, we had two passages of scripture earlier that that both pointed in that direction, talking about God's faithfulness and his love and faithfulness being connected and where we find those two things most substantively connected is when it comes to the idea of relationships in our lives. For years, I've taught that fundamentally, we enter into three types of relationships. Uh, The first of those is casual relationship, people that we're just acquaintances with, connect with, we wave to, we say hello to, but that's really about the extent of our existence with them. The second type of relationship is a contractual relationship, where we make an agreement We have outcomes. We shake a hand. We sign a document. We all understand those two types of relationships. The third type of relationship is what is called a covenantal relationship. It's the type of relationship that the Bible talks about. A covenantal relationship weaves together these ideas of love and faithfulness. A covenantal relationship is what God brought into this world through the person of Jesus Christ who died on the cross and just prior to his death sat down with his disciples and said, this is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. This is not about a contractual relationship. It's not about a casual relationship. This is about a covenantal relationship that invites us to consider love and faithfulness in our lives. 
The closest thing that we have in this world that we experience to this idea of covenantal relationship is in the act of marriage. Marriage is not a contractual relationship, though I have to say tragically many have reduced it to that. It begins with a covenant, to be sure. But then all of a sudden something happens. And love and faithfulness stop being at the center of it. And it becomes more about a contract. It gets reduced to a contract where if you violate the contract, I can step away from it. Now that's, that's a whole other message for a whole other time and a whole other place. But let me say this. That we are called to be a people of the covenant. And the words that are spoken in marital promises are, are not contractual words. As long as we both shall live until death do us part is not about a contract. It's about a covenant. And love and faithfulness are at the center of that covenant. With love and faithfulness at the center of that covenant, let me, let me share with you three thoughts about living out faithfulness in your life that I, that I think can be applied to everybody. The first of them is this. That we are called to be faithful in our commitments. We're called to be faithful in our commitments. The Bible says, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Show up on time. If you tell somebody you're going to do it, do it. Be faithful in our commitments. The second is, be faithful with relationships. Honor people. Encourage people. Live out the faithfulness that you have in their lives in a, in a significant way. And finally, I believe that we're called to be faithful to Christ. Faithful to our Lord and Savior, Jesus. He's been faithful to us. He gave his life on the cross when he didn't need to at all. He hung with sinners when, when we sat gloating. He gave his life for you and for me because of his faithfulness to the Father's will for his life. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of um, visiting a ministry here at Hosanna. Um, that ministry uh, is called the Special Delivery Singers. Special Delivery Singers. They meet every Thursday night um, here at Hosanna. Most of you don't know they meet on a regular basis, but they've been doing so for nearly 20 years. Um, the individual who directs the choir is Gail, and her husband Wayne helps to organize things. Kathy, daughter, is there. Uh, Matt joins them, along with another group of remarkable people who are all specially abled. I had the privilege of, of coming and participating with them and, and listening to them sing um, a few weeks ago. And I have to tell you that I was struck by the faithfulness that I found in that remarkable group of people. When they walked in, they, they greeted one another. They were faithful to the commitment. They were faithful with relationships. They were asking questions of care and, and concern and, in, and encouragement. And, and in the midst of it all, they were faithful to Christ. They sang songs about the fruit of the Spirit. 
so that they could learn and grow in what it meant to, to live out this life of faith, to live out the purpose that God has for them in their life. Some of them worship here, some of them don't. I, I know some of them worship here because Matt, one of the individuals who was there when I walked in, I greeted him and he just said, Pastor Perry, I like your messages. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Faithful, faithful people. I was struck by their faithfulness and, and I wondered what this world would be like if we all lived out that same measure of faithfulness in our commitments with our relationships and to Christ. By the way, a, a faithful servant um, for special delivery singers, their accompanist is no longer able to participate with them and lead them. And so I just want to put an invitation out there for any of you here who, who love music and, and could accompany would you be willing to faithfully step in and support that ministry? I'll guarantee you, you'll learn more about love and faithfulness and covenant in that time than most people will on a day-to-day -day basis. I want to leave you with three questions today. And these are questions that, that we really can take out into the world with us each and every day. Three questions. Simple questions. Straightforward questions. Three questions I'd love for you to ponder in your daily devotional time throughout the course of any given moment in time. Simply this. Am I faithful in my commitments? Am I faithful in my commitments? Am I faithful with my relationships? Finally, am I faithful to Christ? Three simple questions that can help you get your head around what faithfulness means in your life. Because the truth of the matter is this. We wake up daily with both good fruit and bad fruit possibilities. God calls us here. When we respond by the power of his Holy Spirit, we hear words, well done, good and faithful servant. When we turn to respond here, you're going to hear a little voice inside. It's simply going to say, you know better than that. Let's respond faithfully in the ways of God. Church, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we begin um, by giving thanks for your faithfulness in our life, for the amazing gift of grace that you pour in every single day, for faithfully bringing us to this place, this position, for faithfully giving us purpose, we thank you, God, for the movement of your Holy Spirit in our heart that, that calls us to live out faithfulness with all of the good fruit and all of the things that are a part of your kingdom. And we recognize, Lord, 
that many of us have fallen into the faithful routine of engaging the bad fruit. Dissension, anger, jealousy, and all of the other things that are a part of that bowl of life. We ask your forgiveness for that, Lord. We ask you to set us free. And we ask you to acquaint that little voice of your Holy Spirit inside of us that says, you know better than that, and magnify it so that we hear it more loudly when we're tempted to go the direction that you would not have us go. God, I pray for anyone here today who is just wrestling with the basic question of faith. In fact, if you're here today and and you haven't expressed faith in Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do so. I'd like to invite you to do so right now. Lord Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, come to anyone here who has has not expressed faith in you and your goodness and your grace and your mercy. And in the power of your Holy Spirit, God, enliven in them, invigorate in them the gift of faith that looks to you as their Lord and their Savior. If you're here today and, and you feel the Lord moving in your heart, just say inside, just say, yes, Lord. I give my life to you. Father, we're grateful for today, and as we close this time of worship, we, we raise our voices in singing about your faithfulness, and as we do, Lord, hear our heart as it cries out to you, our Lord, our God, our King, our Savior, the faithful one in our lives. We praise you, God. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.